0: and I could see in my periphery that it said Ava DuVernay, and I had to poker face it. Welcome to Push In, the Cinevic podcast. I'm your host, Joyce
1: Klein, coming to you from the unceded territory of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples, otherwise known as beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. In today's episode, I'll be interviewing powerhouse filmmaker Marie Hamora, whose film, Harana, is featured in Cinevic's 2021 Short Circuit Pacific Rim Film Festival. Scene one. Marie may modestly describe herself on Twitter as drummer slash director looks 12 years old, but she is a force to be reckoned with. Originally from the Philippines, her award-winning films have shown worldwide. She's directed for TV and commercials, executive-produced an Asian foodie show, was showrunner on Project Runway Philippines. She's a drummer who has directed almost 50 music videos for bands, including Eraserhead. And that's just for starters. Marie, welcome to Push In. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let's talk first about your film,
0: Harana. Can you give us the quickie logline description? It's basically about a Las Vegas cover band in 1995, where a mother who is the lead singer is trying to connect to her baby girl in the Philippines, who's growing up without her, and she writes a song in order to connect with her.
1: You're now based in LA, where CORE Magazine recently named you one of the five visionary Asian American female filmmakers and you're the first Filipina director to be accepted into the American Film Institute's Directing Workshop for Women, which is where you wrote and directed, Harana?
0: That is correct. That's a great program that the American Film Institute has had for over 40 years. In order to get into the program, you have to submit a short film script, and you have to be able to crowdfund your shorts. So I submitted the script for Harana, And we crowdfunded it in the program and we directed it in the program and finished it. It's like our final project from AFI's DWW.
1: Talking about the casino, I'm a production designer and what a brilliant location because of the lighting and all the variety. How did you get permission to
0: take over a casino? Oh, we didn't. AFI has a lot of really great rules that we have to follow. And one of it is to shoot in LA so we couldn't go to Vegas. And the other thing was... We had a budget cap. So with $40,000, we were researching casinos in the Los Angeles area, and to shoot for six hours in a real casino was $10,000 for six hours. And we could not afford that at all because we had a period film, lots of characters, a lot of people to dress up. So my husband, who is one of the producers on it, he had the brilliant idea of looking at Armenian banquet halls. Because Armenian banquet halls had themes. You could have, you know, a Middle Eastern theme or you could have like this one in particular was an Egyptian theme. And I love that. And what we did was we found this space and we just dressed it up. It already had all the bones of the beautiful stuff that we were looking for. But we just put in the casino tables, the roulette tables, you know. We could only afford six slot machines. So we would have a shot with six slot machines. We'd have an invisible stitch where the shot would end. We would move the six slot machines to a different part of the room (laughs) and then resume the shot. And that's what we did.
1: Scene two. Your directing teacher at Columbia in the MFA program was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Was there anything he taught you
0: that you found particularly useful? I was very fortunate because he taught only one semester at Columbia. You know, it was right after Punch Drunk Love, he was directing a play with his theater company, Labyrinth Theater, and he was teaching directing the actor to us directors, and it was a small class of 12. One of my favorite moments was he wanted to see our style. We were given carte blanche to bring in any scene from any work, because in film school, they were always like, you have to bring in a scene from an existing script. For him, he was like, I don't care if it's from a comic book, a book, something you wrote, just bring me a scene from something. But prior to that, he wanted to see our work. So we brought in what we had shot over the summer. And so I showed him one scene, two characters in the Philippines, a married couple, where the husband is hiding his job from his wife. And then I had the scene run long until the husband leaves and we're left with the wife. And um, that was how I was planning to edit it. And then at the end, he asked me, he goes, what was your direction for her at that last moment while she's by the table? And then I said... Actually, I didn't give her direction. I let the scene run long and I wanted to see what she would do at that point. And then he said, that makes a lot of sense because I did sense a genericness to what she was doing. So you can cut earlier. And then I realized just by that one little bit of direction where he saw the direction, the lack of direction actually through the scene, it made me see things so differently and look at every single moment. And if there was anything in any of my work that I felt was generic, I would cut it out. You know, that was just one thing with editing. But in terms of just like giving direction to actors, because what we would do is we'd prepare the scene for two weeks with our actors, bring it into class, and then they would perform it. We would give them notes. They would do it another run through. And then he would give notes. And then they would do it for one last time. And whenever he would give them notes, holy cow, it was just... From a, 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 an okay scene, it became a transformative scene. You could see what a good director, because you would always say, oh, my actors aren't that good. But actually, no, my direction was not good. You know, I, I would see that because in just a few things that he would say, they, these actors would just be amazing.
1: Scene three. Your protagonist, Maya, is struggling, but her family back home in the Philippines thinks she's a success. To most indie filmmakers, you're a success. Do you
0: feel like one inside? Who? that's a great question. My husband and I have a conversation because we're, we have a production company together and we're each other's producers for each other's works. And we both said to ourselves when we moved to LA eight years ago, we said, we will give Los Angeles 10 years and everything we've got. And we will only give up if we don't make it in those 10 years. And we're on our eighth year and you know we've gotten to make a couple of short films that are have done really well, won awards and done film festivals. I've gotten to some great programs in the last year. I do feel that I've gotten some success in the last two years and momentum, but, I do think also that the minute you think you're successful is the is the is a detriment because you'll rest on your laurels and not work as hard. And I do think that there's an infinite amount of steps to be taken here in this industry because the industry has many different levels. You could mean the topmost level is probably a marvel film, you know, <laughs> or like an oscar <laughs> picture. And to get to the to that is like a million steps and I do think that any step forward is success because I have seen people give LA a year and leave and think that they have they gave it a lot, but in reality, in my opinion, like it's not enough if you only give it a year.
1: The exciting news is that you're going to be directing an episode of Ava Duvernay's Queen Sugar. Where were you when you got that news? How did you find out about that?
0: Um yeah, that that one was uh Completely, the best thing I, the best thing I did all year so far. So I had just finished, actually. I just finished directing and editing my episode. I first got the news, actually. I would say last year I was supposed to direct for season five last year, and I got the news three weeks before the pandemic hit, and we all know what what happened there. You know, everybody, you know, productions had to pivot, et cetera. Um, and Ava did shoot that, and her team shot the fifth season with a very small crew. Three directors only did the whole season, and it's quite amazing the feat that they got to achieve with COVID shooting an entire show. So luckily, I got to direct this season. Now that the protocols are established already, and you know the cities are coming back to normal now, um, and so I did get the news through a text. Ava personally texted me, and I was in a I was actually in a pitch meeting at a restaurant and then it like popped up and I could see in my periphery that it said Ava DuVernay and I couldn't, I had to poker face it and I had to just keep on pitching. And then when the time came for a bathroom break, had to go to the bathroom, read it and and kind of like had to respond very quickly. <laughs> Cause you don't, I don't want to make Ava wait for the response <laughs> of a text.
1: Thank you so much, Marie. My only regret is that I had 10 hours of questions and only a 10-minute podcast.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you for the thoughtful questions.
1: And that's a wrap. Join me, your host, Joyce Klein, for the next episode of Push In, the Cinevic Podcast.